2: My name is Dave Hanrady and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 361 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Today's guest co-host is none other than the wonderful singer-songwriter that is Alva Reddy. Alva has been on the show a couple of times before, so we're delighted to welcome her back, just as she jets back in from a tour of the United States of America, no less. Yeah, she's a real Joe Biden this week, um, but I, I think more charismatic, you know, if, if you ask me. And certainly with her top five selection this time out, top five movie needle drops, that's going to be on this show very, very shortly. And you may well ask, did you not do that before, Dave? It sounds familiar. It does sound familiar. We've done end credits music. We've done opening credits music. We've done songs written specifically for use in a film. But I don't think we've done just plain old needle drops. Now, what is a plain old needle drop, you ask? Well, it's essentially when they play a song in a movie. You know, pretty straightforward. You know, it's usually used to evoke some kind of emotion or set some kind of atmosphere. And it can be anything from sabotage by the Beastie Boys playing in a Star Trek movie, or it could be anything from what else we got here. Why has my mind gone blank? Uh, I knew this would happen. I fucking knew this would happen. I knew I'd sit down and I would just be like, whoa, hang on. Why can't I think of a single needle drop? Because I watched a disgraceful amount of films. If I can just consult my own letterbox here for just a second, Adam might need to jump in and intervene with the... um, yeah, the beloved technical difficulties music. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Uh okay, yeah, there's a terrible film called The One starring Jet Li and it's extremely new metal to the point that there's like at least four instances of like tracks from the new metal era playing throughout it. Like you got like Bodies by a Drowning Pool showing up during a fight scene. That's a needle drop, you know what I mean? Django Unchained. Um that cool James Brown, Tupac mashup that plays at the end when Django's in the house, that's a needle drop. So you get the idea. It's when a song plays in a movie. I mean, like, I, I, I probably didn't even need to go that forensic, did I? I rarely do is the thing. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, I thought it would be a good idea to do this because it's it's kind of dealer's choice, you know? Like Alva's coming in as a guest, much like Mark Conroy was a guest last week. So uh, preferably where possible, I would rather uh, take on board a suggested top five from the person coming in. And in the case of Mark's last week, of course, just want to say a huge thank you to Mark, of course, for coming in and also to people who got in touch about the episode. It was a strange one. Um, Obviously, very, very heavy subject matter. There's just no way around that one. And I'm not going to lie to you. I was actually extremely nervous about doing it, particularly afterwards. And I feel really bad about that because for starters, the last thing I want to do is demean anyone's experience of the episode, because I know some people did get in touch and said some very, very personal things. And I'm very, very grateful to those people for doing so. I'm also very, very grateful to Mark for bringing the subject to the table in the first place. And the truth is, you know, um, it's I I sometimes get in my head about the show. I mean, it could be any top five. It could be any episode. Sometimes, you know, you want to listen back to it and you're very, very happy with what you've created and you think, yeah, this rules. Other times you are, (laughs) it's the last thing you want to ever acknowledge. So it's tricky. And with this one, yeah, I just, I kind of freaked out about it afterwards, you know? I kind of thought, was this too damn beat uh, for a season premiere? Probably, probably. But, you know, fuck it. You know, why not? Like, like, just go there. Like, there's no, there shouldn't, like, there's no formula to this. You know, we're trying to figure our way out, as we have been for seven years, and certainly in this kind of new, this new regime of the show. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I can understand, you know, if it was, if it was a tough episode to get through and a challenging one. And I'm, I'm hopeful that people took something from it and didn't just turn it off halfway through especially because the selections were excellent by the way and I say that a bit Marks I think mine were pretty good too but you know subjective isn't it and so yeah I mean it's just one of those ones like I say some people did get in touch personally and thanks uh, really like it's it's always nice to, to open that door and have people kind of say yeah man I get it because um, you're worried you know you're worried that like you just shared too much or this was just too whatever and it's like yeah I don't know I mean I'm protesting too much I know I am and uh, you know uh yeah i've hit that really awkward wall now of not knowing quite what to say apart from i'm glad that we did the episode i really hope you liked it if you didn't i totally get it and i was looking forward to doing this other top five with alva ready because i was like that'll be a good palate cleanser you know it'll just be fun and upbeat and you know really kind of 10 feet tall kind of skyscraping needle drops that's what we're gonna have right Uh, like you know they're in there they're definitely in there, but I, I must confess, um, it's not all uh, <laughs> sunshine and roses is that even a phrase? I don't know, but uh, once again, I do think that we have a good subject matter here and uh, a pretty impossible one in a way. You just can't pick five, but we tried, we did our very, very best, and I hope you enjoy that. But also, before we get going, I hope you enjoy this chat with Alva because she is uh, about to go on tour in europe and she has just come back from the united states of america so we had a chat about that we had a chat about her new album endless affair which is out now and we had a chat about her appearing on the late late show you know that national institution hosted by the great ryan Tubridy, um who is retiring and not joining this show by the way you know i know there's been some rumors that he might be joining up as a permanent co-host but i'm going to quash those right now and uh we'll get to this chat shall we with alva Reddy, won't you Alvaretti, everybody. Let's have a chat with her and then let's get into the top five movie needle drops. This is no encore. Stay tuned. Right, um, we can maybe include this, we can maybe not, we'll see what happens. But the point is, right now, I'm here in the No Encore studio with the returning guest after quite some time, the wonderful, the great, the glorious Alvaretti.
0: The glorious, thank you very much, yeah. Well,
2: you're just back from America, and I assume glory is a big kind of theme over there, right? Pride and glory?
0: Oh my god, yeah, they love a bit of pride and glory. Not the gay pride no. kind. Um, Depends where but, you go, I'm sure some yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh Dan got Driving through Indiana? Certainly not. <laughs> Up in New York, yes.
2: Okay, so you were there for a month? Do I have that right? I was
0: actually there for two months.
2: Okay, that's more than I thought it was. It, yeah. it felt like a month to me, well,
0: checking yes. in on your Instagram stories every um, and then. Yeah, no, I went over there for a gig at the beginning of February and then just decided to hang around till the tour started.
2: So uh, you, of course, uh, we are speaking to Alva in the wake of the release of her sophomore album. It's out now, Endless Affair. I assume everyone listening has already got their copy. And if you haven't, shame on you.
0: Please buy it and then come to see me in Whelan's,
2: please. You do have tour days coming up, including two nights in Whelan's. What dates are they again? 5th and 6th. Of May, of yes. May. Excellent. And yeah, so I mean, like, difficult second album thing. Uh, we've, you know, I know you've been doing a lot of promo for the album. I don't want to ask you the same questions everyone's been asking you. But I, I do recall you saying a while ago that you'd put this together some time ago. So yeah. not quite difficult second album or just sitting on it? Is that annoying? Like,
0: like first album I'd been sitting on for so long. And then second album, I pretty much had all the songs written before the first album was out. So I've been sitting on it for ages.
2: You're just too good at this.
0: Uh, Well, throwing enough shit at the wall, something's going (laughs) to stick.
2: So two months in the States. Did this include, because of course you were supposed to go to Set by Set West, right? Yeah,
0: 2020. Yeah,
2: yeah, right as the pandemic hit. Like pretty much week. The
0: week before. Fucking hell.
2: Uh, So you got to go this time, right?
0: I did, yeah. So we had shows around that. So we did New York, Boston, Toronto. Then a week at Set by Set West where we did like three shows, I think. And then did um, LA and San Francisco.
2: Toronto is my second city because I've been there twice. <laughs>
0: Ooh, yeah, home away from home.
2: I do love it, yeah. It's great. It's
0: beautiful, really nice garage, sick venue, Horseshoe Tavern. They could not have taken better care of us. Really oh, really? really nice. It was snowing. It was mad because it was snowing in Toronto. We drove the whole thing and it was snowing in Toronto, like really deep, thick snow, and then we drove and I fell asleep in the car and woke up at some point just as we were hitting Indiana. and It was like sunny. Like, it was in the same day. It was weird.
2: Nice. Um, I'm curious as to like what the crowds like because I I've got this fanciful idea of the the North American tour, like not every Irish artist gets to do it, and I'm just curious like what the crowds are like, and also you know one doesn't want to overgeneralize American people, but surely there were some colorful characters along the way. How was your your overall two month experience of this entire jaunt like?
0: Really good. Yeah. Um. I mean, been out for a while, and certainly have played. Tough gigs in it, you know. um, All the gigs were well attended um, by mostly very lovely people and one absolute maniac in one of the cities who was very odd. But um, that was the only bad thing I can say about the whole thing because they were just totally nuts. Like uh, aggressively
2: nuts or like like, like just like
0: stalkery nuts, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But won't focus on that too much, but there's always one. Um, But yeah, like really nice crowds really into the records some of the people were people who just like they go to see shows at that venue every week and they go and they're music fans and um like collect vinyl of whoever plays there and stuff which is I just think is such a nice still I was lucky enough to be playing in venues where it seemed like there was like kind of a community aspect to a lot of them um so I had a really good experience and you know I've definitely played to smaller gigs like crowds in Ireland and stuff but yeah everything was like well attended and really nice reception I couldn't have I mean I'm, everything can always go better but like could have gone a lot worse <laughs> yeah
2: and I mean like so you're there for uh, St. Patrick's Day of course yes yeah, so I was at
0: South by West
2: on that day because like that of course is a day when you know American people are more Irish than Irish people so how was the vibe?
0: Um, I was hung over that day and I really was finding it quite intense Um. <laughs> Yeah, I was at a thing with a free bar. It was, like, so intense. People were drinking Irish coffees, which was just, like, a milkshake, with a spiked milkshake, basically. And, um, yeah, it was really intense. And there was a lot of people, like, dyed green mouths and stuff like that, because they'd obviously been drinking, like, green milkshakes. Jesus. Very intense. It just very... A lot of people completely shit-faced at, like, 3 p.m.
2: For fuck's sake. Well, I mean, like, is but that... But that's the same here. I wouldn't yeah. go into
0: Temple Bar on... St. Patrick's Day, anyway. I can't, I can't tell you a single thing I've done for St. Patrick's Day for the last ten years. I have no idea. I don't think I ever. Celebrated oh, I am glad.
2: Uh, I wouldn't want this to be a case of like, Dave, it's my favorite day of the year. Yeah,
0: imagine it's my Christmas.
2: Yeah, I fucking like basically all but barricaded the the doors of my house. I am yeah. just like, no,
0: why? No, I am not going in. That, it's not for me.
2: No, absolutely not. No. So you are unpatriotic? Is that what we're getting at here? Is yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you did do the most patriotic Irish thing of all time. You did appear on the Late Late Show.
0: I did, and I wore green.
2: Yes, and uh, perhaps not a coincidence, not long after you played the show, Ryan Tuberty has said, I'm leaving this programme No, forever.
0: you want I was his bucket list artist to get on, of <laughs> course. Yeah, yeah. No, he'd actually just had enough. He was like, I'm done if this guitar music continues. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was cool, and he got got Ryan Tuberty to say shit on air. So That's right, because
2: yeah. the name of the song, of course, is Shit Show. Yeah. Uh, was there any kind of... You know trepidation on that one, or did he feel like a rock star getting to?
0: I was surprised that they were happy to do that, but they were really like, "No, it's a great song. We want to do this," and there was no problem with it and no negative feedback. It's, I mean, it's a pretty f- inoffensive fucking word. Really. Yeah,
2: it's after the watershed as well. Like
0: exactly, on. yeah. They were like, "It's after the like, it's completely fine." And I was like, "Okay, well, whatever you guys think," and it went down fine. It's just a word.
2: <laughs> it's a weird show, The Late Late. I mean, I think you know, you're kind of at the mercy of the Booker that week, where it's because, of course, you know, I've talked about this before, but like. They have to have everything on so it's like mm. a sports star a film star a music person mm. a fucking comedian and a tragedy you know like we have to have a tragic story so you're just like where am i gonna fit in like when are they gonna like i mean like you're there you're in the green room uh, i'm curious like, like what the vibe is like on on late late show night especially from someone who's like you know i'm i'm, I'm performing i'm doing my song and like i have to you know i want to people are gonna be watching you know like you know my friends my family mm. it's a big deal
0: Yeah, it's a cool thing to do because, uh, I mean, you grow up with it around you and like everyone's aunts and mothers are very proud of you, it seemed. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people's aunties text me. Um, But yeah, it was really nice and everyone was really, I don't, don't want to sound like a suck up or whatever, but like everyone there is really nice. Like everyone clearly like really likes their job there and is very accommodating. Sorry that I don't have any scandal. Like oh no, everyone, no, 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 no! Everyone was no. very, very like sweet to me, like to a point where I was like, wow, they really make you feel really at home.
2: See, uh, the truth is, I uh, actually because I'm really
0: nervous going to those kind of things that I feel like I don't belong. I get really bad imposter syndrome, so okay, in those scenarios when people are like super nice and make you feel very welcome and like they're lucky for to have you there, which isn't the case. I think it's really nice.
2: Well, I wouldn't expect scandal from late. Late, Unfortunately, I, I I think it's a tightly run ship. Too tightly run, I would say. I want scandal, but I mean, yeah, yeah. like, but um, the imposter thing is interesting. I mean, are you saying that like if you went to a, like to rehearse or sound check at a gig and things were crap, that you'd feel more comfortable? Is that like, or is just is that just a classic, you know, imposter thing that that haunts every creative person? Or... I
0: think it haunts most people, um, and it probably doesn't haunt some some, some people, and um, they're probably very successful as a result, um, or just awful. <laughs> um, and unbearable to be around. Um, I don't know. I definitely do notice that I really rally when I'm at a gig where people aren't listening because I feel like
2: like the crowd or
0: yeah, like I cut my teeth doing like open mic nights. You know, um, one was like so different. You know, ten years ago or whatever, when I was first doing gigs and stuff, you had to you started off doing open mic nights where like no one gave a shit, mm. and you had to, like you we weren't putting out music beforehand. You literally started out doing those things. You have to be heard. So I'm. I think sometimes I kind of rally loads at gigs where I feel like I have to try harder and I get a bit nervous when I feel like people are expecting a thing. (laughs) This is so stupid. It's probably giving way too much of an insight into my psychology, but if people are expecting it to be really good and are really quiet and like really paying attention, I'm like, oh my God, I have to live up to this. But if people expect nothing and I get to impress them, I kind of almost feel less nervous.
2: Yeah, I'm curious about that in general though, because I mean like I think everyone who has any kind of a following, especially now in the wonderful social media age that we live in. I mean, like, especially with the new album, I mean, like, surely some people have gotten in touch with you privately and been like, this means a lot to me. Uh, uh, when that happens, I mean, do you go into, like, I don't know what to say mode? Or how do you find that those interactions when they do happen? Whether it's at a gig or... That's the bit or, I
0: get, like, because that's... I'm not... Uh, I'm more into the songwriting and r- recording and releasing aspect of it not to say that i don't like gigs but it's not what i do it for it's part of the part of the job that i'm like oh this is the tricky bit for me okay Um, i don't have like an inbuilt mask that i can put on and get on stage and be a different person and i'm not wearing like this impenetrable armor on stage i'm very much like me if someone says something mean it'll hurt my feelings (laughs) um but which people do um but when people send me messages i'm like it you know you put a song out it's less and less yours people project their own ideas onto it that's so fucking sick like is it so cool that someone will listen to your music and I always think like because I don't do this when I'm listening to someone else's music and I'm like this is such a beautiful song I think about myself and my own experiences and I know that that's what other people are doing so it's so cool to think that anyone's listening to songs I wrote in my stupid little room (laughs) uh, in my stupid little head with my little guitar and that some people are going like yeah fuck that reminds me or like that makes me feel comforted that's what it's about. I
2: know, yeah, I mean like that's a healthier attitude than being like, no, you got it wrong. Actually, it's about <laughs> yeah. it's about me. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, this is about um yeah. <laughs> the stock exchange, actually. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you don't get to project your sad little problems onto my music.
0: But, and also like by the time songs are released, like that album, I finished writing that in at the end of twenty twenty. Like it's like a snapshot of who I was. Um, three years, three years ago. Like, as in, and you go back and listen to it, and you're like, "Wow, I'm such a different person." You know, especially at this age, uh, in your like late twenties and stuff like that, you're like a different person every few years. Um, so I feel like I am a different person to the person who wrote those songs. Some of the songs are kind of hilariously petulant, and some of them are hilariously uh, self conscious. Uh, in a way that I don't feel like I am anymore. So. Well, I was about to ask,
2: would you describe yourself as a hilariously petulant person?
0: No, but like I definitely have, we all have aspects. Oh, of course. Also yeah. like songs are so like written in the moment. Like that song a mess off it if you know it. Um, That song's meant to be kind of tongue in cheek petulant, but some people will read it. You can't control how people can, will read anything, so there's no point trying to. Yeah. But you put stuff out and people are really like, oh my God, that song is so sad. And I'm like, that song is a joke.
2: It's a comedy, yeah.
0: Like that is like a complete, me, I am taking the piss out of all of that stuff. Of like, oh well, I can't do anything right then, you know. <laughs> like, but I've just put it, happened to put it to lyrics. But you know, when you read lyrics, it's whatever your life experiences, your current mood, and you project all of that onto it, and that's cool.
2: Totally. Before we get to our top five, which you have chosen, and we'll get into that momentarily. Um, I'm just curious, kind of based on what you're saying there with regards to, you know, playing gigs and it being less, you know, attractive than the, the writing and the, the the composing and the construction of it all. Uh, does that make a, a three year old song that you may have emotionally moved on from that much harder to have to play live? I mean, like, like can you just step back into that headspace or just, does it become a bit of a fuck, this feels like an exam or something?
0: Sometimes with with really old songs that I don't feel that connected to, um, yeah. But well, not like an exam. I mean, nothing is as hard as an exam. School sucks. Um, but <laughs> um, stay in school, kids. Um,
2: <laughs> I don't think there are like juniors heard students. or You are, like, do, do your
0: podcasts. leaving cert <laughs> and you put the head down. Um, but no, it's I wouldn't put it that like harshly or whatever. But uh. It's kind of weird when you start playing songs, like so I had all these songs written and then it was all that stuff where no one was gigging for some reason, I can't remember what it was. Um, so none of us were gigging for years, but then I got to start playing these songs live and it almost like kind of like hit home again. The songs felt like fresh to me. So it is kind of different. And kind of sometimes just depending on my mood, like sometimes a song I've written three years ago suddenly feels like weirdly emotional to me all of a sudden. It totally, totally depends on the day. And what mood I'm in and how what I'm going through at the time. Sometimes like a song that I wrote three or four years ago can have like a fresh meaning to me in the moment.
2: Well, let's find out what happens when you play these songs in Whelan's on May 5th and 6th, was it?
0: Yeah, Ball My Eyes Out.
2: And the album, of course, is Endless Affair. It's out now. So make sure you guys do all the necessary on that. But we'll move into our top five. So you're you're a special guest. Thank you for this. And uh, you chose this topic. I did. So I don't know if I'm going to call it on the episode yet, top five songs from movies or top five movie needle drops. I
0: think you should do top five needle drops.
2: Yeah, I think it should be needle drops. It's interesting because, like, I mean, you chose this, and I want to know why in a second, but I will say that, like, I was kind of like, did we do this before? Because we've done a lot of movie-adjacent music stuff. Mm. We've done, like, end credit stuff, opening credit stuff. And... Did actually and last night I, I must confess, I, you know, like this is an honest podcast. So, All right, yeah. I, 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 At around eleven p.m. last night, in a frazzled state of mind, I was like, "Holy fuck!" Two years ago, we did. Songs written for movies. And I'm like, oh no! And I was like, I, I, we can't... And I was like, oh no, 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 actually that's fine. I was like, it's the top five I have anyway doesn't really correlate there, it's fine and it's grand. Even if that's the case, Alva's a, coming into this fresh, she can pick whatever she wants, it's fine. I have to make sure that I don't repeat myself. So I've tried not to. But nonetheless, that's my existential crisis. I'm curious how you approach this topic, why you chose this topic, and how you feel about the motion pictures in general.
0: Um. Well, I think my first loves were probably film and music and I always have associated them together um and I used to want to be a director before I realised that that job's really hard (laughs) um of course music is so easy and there's so much money in it
2: um you made the right call
0: (laughs) thank you it's just very lucrative um but I actually just want to be a music supervisor, so this is just going straight into my dream portfolio. Job.
2: Oh my god, the dream job! So I'm just
0: going to be sending this around in my portfolio. It'll just be this, and <laughs> be like, look how good I am at this kind of.
2: If you get one of those gigs, can can you can you like? drop my I can name give you kickbacks. just just be like i know a guy he, he he's <laughs> no, you like, can he,
0: do a few bits yeah. <laughs> yeah. a few bits of pieces
2: <laughs> okay so this has been a this has been a childhood dream to be the the soundtrack curator of a of a film yeah yeah did any film in particular i mean maybe maybe this will spoil the top 5 so maybe we don't name names right now but like can you think of a time when you were like that's that fucking ruled i oh my God, that.
0: into the wild which i didn't include in my list okay but, like, that whole soundtrack with Eddie Vedder, yes. soundtrack of that is so good. And I loved that because I watched it as an angsty teenager and was just like, maybe I want to, like, even though I really love my family, maybe I should, like, go to the wild and camp out and, like, I don't know, die eating <laughs> yeah, poisonous fruit. Spoilers, truce. mate.
2: Perish horribly. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, so many films. Like, I always think, uh, you know, you watch a horror film with the sound off. Oh that's scary. It's kind of funny. Yeah, like um, <laughs> there's loads of things. Music can change how you feel about a scene so much, and you're seeing. I'm you're seeing it more. I'm really into like TV and film. I watch like a lot of stuff. Um, you're seeing it more and more. Uh, people playing with soundtracks using, you know, Handmaid's Tale and stuff like that. You know, they use really like empowering songs during scenes that are humiliating and playing with how those things. And especially more like needle drops of like famous old songs being used in modern films. I just, I just think it's really interesting.
2: Cool. Um, well, before we jump in, uh, I will go first in this because it means you get to go last. So you know, I, I didn't okay. let the guests play out. I guess it makes sense. You get the end yeah. credits. Um, are you feeling confident about your top five? Which, of course, I don't know what you've chosen. Uh, I will say that a friend of the show and regular guest Zara Hederman s- took a sneak peek at your top five, and she she seemed thoroughly impressed. She so. had some
0: things to say. She she was seemed really happy with the first four, and then not happy with the last one, which contentious.
2: She's never happy though.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll Are you Zara? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our top five umpire.
2: Oh, she almost came to the show, but yeah, she she, did. she wussed out. Yeah. So um, another time, perhaps.
0: Yeah, this one's for you, Zara.
2: Okay, so you're feeling good. We're all feeling good. Okay, yeah. so the, like again, it's a, it's a brilliant topic, but it's also let's be honest, it's super broad in general. You're like, how do you possibly boil this down to just five? I could we give you did. 200, I could give you 500. So what I did was, yeah, you did it, I'm sure it was easy for you, but for me it was a it was a stress headache. And I was like, what am I going to do, how am I going to do this? So what I did was, there's a bit of recency bias here for me in as much as I went to my to account and I was like, what if I, Adam is already laughing at me. Uh, and rightly so. Um, And I, I went back through stuff I've watched recently uh, to see what would jump out from a musical perspective in my brain. And I picked five of those without going too far into it because if i was to spend a week trying to put this together i would be this would be a 25 hour long podcast and of course, yeah. nobody wants that so um let's pick something though uh, that is embedded into the pop culture quite brilliantly and something i've been obsessed with since i was since i was a very young man so here's my number 5 top 5 movie needle drops let's go The one microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan, designed and directed by his red right hand. Sure, he's quiet.
0: God, look at this place. It's the town that dreaded sundown.
1: Yeah, I saw that movie. It's about a killer in Texas, huh?
0: Yeah. Hey, so just think, if they make a movie about you, who's gonna play you? I shudder to think.
2: Brutal dig at Tori Spelling there, who of course would pop up in the sequel to this, I believe. That's Scream. The film is Scream, of course, from 1996. And the song is Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And uh, I do believe that song would go on to be the Peaky Blinders intro music, which I find really strange. But um, yeah, I remember, so Scream for me, are you a fan of the franchise? Are you a horror person in general? What's your...
0: Uh, Yeah, I've seen Scream. Yeah, it was... I remember watching it with my sister when I was
2: a kid. Yeah, that sounds right. It is kind of a older sibling hand-me-down. Like,
0: yeah, absolutely, yeah.
2: My brother went to see it, uh, so he's eight years older than me. He went to see it in 96 when it came out. And so I would have been like 12, I guess. And I remember him coming home from the cinema and he was so excited about this film he'd just seen, this game-changing horror film, as it did in fact prove to be, mm. that he told me the entire plot sick at just the kitchen table. Yeah. Everything. like the Like, spoiled the whole thing. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, I'm 12. It doesn't matter. And then when it came out in VHS, he got it and we watched it and I was obsessed with it ever since. You know, you're too young to watch a horror movie of that nature. But mm. uh, I love the franchise. I, I even really enjoy the new one that was out recently. Like, it's still going. Mm. I think I think it's been a very strong series. I
0: didn't see the new one. Well, what's the satirical version of it?
2: Uh. Well... This is kind of the scary movie, oh, oh, scary movie. Sorry, the parody, yeah, yeah, scary the parody, Sorry, yeah, uh, yes, yeah, scary movie.
0: Uh, I watch. I find it almost impossible to separate the two of them in my head. <laughs> almost impossible. I can't. Like, is in in my head, they're the same.
2: The same thing, yeah. Well, that like that. That's the pair of a strong parody. The first one of those was okay, I thought, if I if I recall correctly. Um, but like, yeah, this is the OG Scream, and um, I think the Nick cave song has popped up more often because like it's in five, it's in six, it's in this one. Um, so it became a bit of a recurring motif in the movie Uh, and it was my first ever experience of hearing Nick Cave I was like what is is this incredibly gloomy gorgeous beautiful music Mm. and I love how it's used it's used kind of halfway through the movie and you know I just thought it was so fucking violently cool (laughs) which of course he is and Mm. he's one of those artists that I still haven't fully you know I'll dip in every now and then I think you know I I couldn't listen to Nick Cave every day because it's just so demanding I think and and giving as well Um, but no I mean like it's I like there's lots of cool needle drops in the scream movies but I thought this was the most kind of creepy one and I I also like I I just associate that sound and even that dialogue like with a very specific time in my movie watching life and just becoming really excited I think about you know entertainment as mm-hmm. a fucking form and just being like just being overwhelmed like yeah. like and again it was pre-internet you know it's like its very formative time you know you're just you have so to
0: figure out you have to like watch the things at the end and you like to film you'd have to watch the credits to see what the song was
2: yeah exactly yeah yeah and i was just like or and I, I also of course you know bought uh, either i did or my brother did but i had the the Soundtr- cd soundtrack nice, to this yeah. and i listened to it over and over again on my ghetto blaster i'm
0: already i'm already <laughs> starting to think of soundtracks that i bought that i've like not put on this top 5 list can you give me one Um, I remember I went to HMV on Grafton Street like every week for months trying to find the Marie Antoinette soundtrack from the Sofia Coppola uh, version of Marie Antoinette. And oh my God, I was obsessed with that soundtrack. It's so good. And eventually I remember after months they had one copy of it. And I kept calling, and I was like, "Are you going to order it instantly, or whatever?" Like, we we're not really. There's not a high demand for it, or whatever. And then they had one copy of it, and I got it, and was obsessed with it. Now you can just look it up on Spotify.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you know, streaming has killed our, our interest in this kind of stuff because yeah. because you play that stuff to death. Like, I like I rinsed it. Yeah, yeah. I watched this film to death on VHS. I played this c- CD mm. over there with like you know a terrible cover of "Don't Fear the Reaper," and I'm like, "This is the <laughs> this is the best song of all yeah. time." But and now, like
0: some song that you didn't buy the soundtrack for ended up being some song that you ended up being like, wait, I actually am obsessed with this.
2: Yeah, yeah, always a nice discovery. Yeah. I, I, but I But by the time Scream 3 rolled around, the soundtrack was like all, almost exclusively new metal. And I was like, this is just the greatest. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> what a union. So that's my number five. I love Scream. I think I think it fucking rules. I think it's a pop culture behemoth. And uh, I still find it kind of weird that there's a Nick Cave song in it, but you know, mm. it works for me, so great Choice, yeah, it's over to you. Uh, what have you got to kick it off?
0: Sorry, I just kind of burped. Um, maybe <laughs> you can cut that out. Um, uh, my number five is an absolute classic. Uh, the graduate, uh, hello, dark smile friend. Um, oh, wait, no, fuck, can I do that again? You can because I'm not meant to say the thing, if
2: perfect, prefer- yeah, if possible. Um,
0: Okay, this one is an absolute classic, so much so I think Adam thought it was my number one, but I felt like, I can't do this one as number one, but it's the first kind of version of this that I saw where um, the music plays and completely changes the tone of that scene. It's the very last scene of the film, and you're watching, and it's meant to be a joyous moment, and then this song starts playing, and it just seeds this little bit of doubt, and it suddenly becomes this like kind of really depressing bit but I think it's just very genius and I've seen it done a million times in cinema since but I feel like this was the first version
1: Hello darkness my old friend I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my Still remains within the sound of silence in the restless dreams I walk on. Now streets
0: of cobblestone Be for Halo of a Street Land. Yeah, so it's for anyone who doesn't know, I mean it's so famous, but it's the last scene of the graduate. Um where Justin Hoffman and the daughter run out of the church and they jump onto a bus and it's all very romantic and they're going to run away together and it feels like this really like happy moment and they've really like gone out and done this really romantic thing. They get in the bus, they sit down at the end of the bus, they're both smiling and then they're just as the movie fades out, this song starts playing and it's like you can see the doubt in their faces. But if you paused it, and I actually did it this last night, I played that scene back and I got rid of the music and if it was like happy music playing or no music playing, you could totally read it as them just sitting in silence together. But mm-hmm. instead, that song playing just gives it this like little eerie bit of like they've both just realised that was a crazy idea.
2: And this is of course music-wise.
0: Dissonance.
2: Well, not the name of the song in the yard.
0: Oh, sorry, <laughs> "Sound of Silence" <laughs> by Art. Simon Garfunkel. Yes,
2: sorry, uh, I, I'm a stickler for like, oh fuck, because I'm 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 forever being like, I never even said what it was. I never said it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I apologize for jumping in there. That
0: old tune. Everyone yeah.
2: knows it, but yeah. just you know, even with the obvious ones, I'm like, that is of course the Beatles with you know <laughs> Eleanor Rigby. Um, <laughs> I like is this, but is the song like almost a victim of its own success in that regard? Like, because like it's it's unassociatable if that's even a word with anything other than this. And then when it does pop up in other stuff, it's just. It's almost parodic itself. You know, like you mentioned Scary Movie. It's like, I've seen this used in Watchmen and I'm like, that Mm. doesn't work, lads. You can't use that. At a
0: certain point, things come back around and they can be used for a new generation though. Like, Mm. you know, certain generations will always associate it with that. But if it was used on a TV program now loads of kids would be discovering for the first time you yeah. have seen what's happened with like Kate Bush running up that hill sending this whole new generation are like cool new song
2: <laughs> yeah that does happen um, <laughs> yeah
0: yeah like, I think the same could be with this like I'm sure loads of people haven't seen that film and wouldn't be aware of uh, Samuel Garfunkel you know
2: so you're in favour of the metal band Disturbed and their uh, famous cover of this are you? sure has that escaped you?
0: That, that has escaped me. I mean, I've actually probably heard it, but it's not. No, it's a, not good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All. Well, then, no, I don't like it. <laughs> <And it's laughs> what <like>, you think?
2: <laughs> but it's weirdly revered, right? Like, it, like there's is it? A, yeah, there's a weird cult following a, a, attached to that song, and okay, it's kind of like you to listen to that. And I think what happened there is you had a lot of kind of like metalheads being like, you know, I don't cry, bro, but you know, this gets me in the feels. May not yeah. even know that it's a cover. May not even know that it's associated with this film. Um, when did you see this film for the first time? The Graduate. Um,
0: it must have been around ten or eleven.
2: Definitely the right age to see the graduate, yeah. Yeah,
0: Probably totally inappropriate. I think I probably watched it with like an elder sibling or maybe with my mum or something. My mum's got great film taste, but I'd say my eyes were. But I mean, nothing actually, I mean, it's such an old film, nothing actually happens. It's all
2: oh, it's all suggested, suggested. And
0: uh, if we know if I know anything about myself as a child, suggestions like that went straight over my head. (laughs) I was like, wow, he really likes his friend's mom, it's so nice that they're friends, so
2: like. Would you prefer if it did have the more kind of saccharine happy ending, or do you like like? No, is- I
0: think it's so genius. Yeah, because in reality, that's how it works. But you just don't ever see it in films put that way, where there's the happy ending in this romantic comedy, I guess, and that it's actually kind of sad. Because like in real life, if you did that, I mean, a week tops, you'd be like, oh fuck, <laughs> I've just like sacked off everyone I know <laughs> on just impulse yeah. to go on the lam with this guy. I'm freaking out. Yeah.
2: So what do you think happens to that couple?
0: Um, they probably give it a go for a week or two, and then they're like, ooh, and then maybe out of embarrassment, they keep it going for a few months, but it's not going to work out. It's doomed? They don't know each other.
2: Okay. But, like, what what about those people who, like, you know, they like, it's just, it's a Romeo and Juliet spark. That's all we need.
0: They killed themselves. Ended, well, I was about <laughs> <to say.
2: laughs> It ended fine for them.
0: Yeah, well, it <laughs> ended for them, for sure, yeah.
2: Yeah, I should know as well that I, I set off, Mike, but uh, I was going to pick Talk Show Host by Radiohead from Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, but I had, uh, as Romeo's motif, because it is gorgeous in that film. I love that film. But I've picked it before, so I didn't pick it. Mm-hmm. Um, see, like, The Graduate, like, this this usage of the song, which is, yeah, it's magnificent, but, like, I, the it's not the graduates' fault, but, like, I would have learned of this first through, like, The Simpsons doing a parody of this. Of
0: course, yeah.
2: With Grandpa Simpson, and then, like, stuff like Wayne's World as well. It's mm. just, like, I guess that speaks to the fact that, like, it's just so strong in its pop culture leanings that, like, and it was such a perfect choice, but, I mean, like, I, I love the idea of, of sticking a different song over it, though, just to see, just to fuck to- I did it. it last night. Yeah.
0: <laughs> totally changes the vibe. It, like, it can seem like they're... It, it completely, if you put like any kind of just like random kind of like nice ending indie song at the end of that scene, I did it last night. Perfectly lovely. Wow. Changes the ending entirely. It's so cool that a <laughs> film, or sorry, a film can do that, that like they put the music in the end and it completely changes. It sows this, like this like seed of doubt in that scene and also in everything that's just happened.
2: What do you think of the argument though that like the song is too depressing, too modern, like as a, as a standalone piece of music? Like- I mean,
0: are any of your favorite songs really happy?
2: Um, Happy by Fri- Oh No, I hate that song. Um, yeah, there you go. Oh no, no, no. Listen, I'm I'm into it. I'm I'm all yeah, of it. Yeah, I think
0: people like to make that complaint, and those people probably still listen to the most depressing music ever. without well, even
2: fucking realizing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It and is wild like- <laughs> though that this is as big as it is, and I wonder how much of it has to do with the film. Like, is it purely off? The, like, was it was it like? A, uh, I'd say. I mean, they were huge anyway. They were huge but in, anyway. Yeah. But yeah. It's just mm, I don't know. I mean, I, I must confess I'm not as well versed in the world of Simon and Garfunkel as others are. So
0: well. I am. I grew up listening to them.
2: Well, I grew up listening to new metal, so. Well. Wow,
0: look, <laughs> and here we are coming together with our differences.
2: Absolutely. Speaking of and no, making no, things uh, work,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> no, my number four is not new metal. Um, I think this is an example of a song eclipsing the movie it was in, and I think it's I, I think it's amazing, Ooh. and the film deserves a bit of a, a bit of a fair shake as well. So here's my number four.
0: No, but I do. It's because I'm with Etienne. It's difficult for me to spend time with you.
1: I don't suppose that there's any, you know, special reason that you should spend time with me that is. Of course there is. I like you a lot. Have you have you told us to ATN or No. It's our secret. Okay. Look, there The plankton, shrimps. When they're disturbed, they glow. Come on.
0: So good.
2: It's pretty great, right? So it's all saints it's Pure Shores. It's from the motion picture The Beach in yeah. 2000. Adam jumped in there to admonish me, though, because it turns out I picked Pure Shores before in top five Irish number ones from this century. But, like, I don't care. It's too good. And and I want to talk about The Beach as well, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah, like, also in that scene, like, I was just like, like the, their flirtation in in this moment, like, like that's, like... You're talking about plankton, you know, mm. at a time like this. Make
0: plankton sexy.
2: Apparently, well, I mean, it's it's 2000 era version uh, a the French actress, and it's like she can say whatever she wants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's reminiscent of that moment in Heat when uh, Robert De Niro talks about iridescent algae, and then next thing you know, <laughs> is macking on Amy Brenneman. But um, yeah, so the beach. Uh, have you seen the film?
0: Not, I think when I was a teenager, I having a breeze. What happened, Leonardo DiCaprio? Leonardo
2: DiCaprio, he made his it... voice sounds
0: like a cartoon. I know he's right? so young in it. Yes, it's like listening back to it, I'm like, is that a little tiny little baby?
2: When I downloaded this <laughs> clip, I actually thought I'd pick like a you know someone had like pitch shifted it or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To like pirate it or or to keep it for licensing reasons, and I was like, no, no, that is actually how he sounds. Hey, it's me, this.
0: Leonardo DiCaprio.
2: So it's I went an island. It, it's 2000, so he's coming off Titanic, and he's like the hottest star in the world. And then he makes Crazy. The Beach with Danny Boyle, which was supposed to be Hugh McGregor, but then it went Ooh. to... Yeah, John so basically
0: Different vibes.
2: Danny Boyle and Hugh McGregor, of course, you know, came up together, did Shallow Grave, Train Spotting, and A Lifeless Ordinary, mm-hmm. and they were supposed to do The Beach. And then uh, it all went wrong. And Boyle basically chose DiCaprio or the studio chose him or Boyle didn't do enough for McGregor and then Danny Boyle and McGregor were not friends for about 13 years um there they're, they're, about, they're a little tiff did they, they fell out massively over, oh. until the second train spot right that brought them back together and that's a great fucking movie and it's works i think because it's also you know it's about friendship and it's about people kind of coming back and yada yada but the beach yeah which was also it was an absolute disaster of a film in terms of its critical reception don't think it did terribly well commercially either um i rewatched it i rewatched it on new year's eve of all times and i think it's a really fucking good movie The book, I remember enjoying as a teenager, even though, again, it's one of those things where you're like, I'm too young to be reading this. I don't even know what I'm reading, but it's cool, isn't
0: it? Yeah. Ooh, I think some of these people might be uh, flirting. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And so in this scene, though, like, I mean, it must be said, like, I mean, so they're in this beach community and... Uh, this French gal is uh, just about to cheat on her boyfriend with Leonardo DiCaprio and it's very remorseless. It's just She's just like, yeah, fuck it, I'm, I fancy That happens
0: it. in films and you see these people and they're not even, they don't have a f- an ounce of guilt in no. them, which I don't think, happens. I think in real life, no, even if you're a prick, you're still going to be like, oh God, well I shouldn't be cheating on someone. But in films they're just like, it's as if the boyfriend you just saw them kissing or girlfriend you just saw them kissing 10 minutes ago is dead.
2: Yeah, and like there is like there is a fallout to this in as much as like the next scene is DiCaprio and the her boyfriend kind of having a row and him being like, look, I just want her to be happy, but you know, I hate the way this is, this has happened, etc. And I think later on she's kind of like, yeah, that was kind of bad of me, or whatever. But it's very, it was just real, like Jesus Christ, like and like the boyfriend's not in any way villainous. Like.
0: I do love in films where they're setting you up to like the main couple, but the two people are in different relationships. Yeah, yeah. So they just have to make like the boyfriend or girlfriend be a total dick yeah, at yeah. some point. And they're like, okay, but actually he's abusive or something. <laughs> it's yeah.
2: like... No, not the case here. This this is like a lovely long, young French couple. I do couple. think it's really
0: lazy when they do the other thing though as well.
2: Yeah, massively. But this, this is like a, a really nice young French couple that Leonardo DiCaprio like just kind of like tagged along with this like spoiled American student and she can't resist him.
0: God, yeah. and then after Titanic where he was breaking up couples as well.
2: Yeah, he's a homewrecker is what yeah. we're getting at here. But let's talk about Pure Shores because uh, talk about a song that has stood the test of time, oh right? My
0: God, it's so good. It's incredible.
2: Absolutely incredible. And I mean like... It's That's used-
0: so weird sounding.
2: Yeah, I mean, it sounds oceanic, right? Like, yeah,
0: right. Yeah, yeah. And in
2: the scene when they go underwater and all this kind of stuff, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, like, it was just, it felt to me like it, it was well, definitely a bigger success story, I think, in terms of long term pop culture mm. than, say, the film. But I
0: certainly don't associate it with this film at all.
2: Not at all. Interesting. Like,
0: I, when I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah but like, I was able to like clock what it was, but mm. I would hear this song so much and I've heard it so much since that I don't associate yeah. it with
2: it. I'm trying to recall the video. I know that there's parts where they are like kind of walking with like night vision on them and I'm wondering if they do intersperse it with shots from the film. Because remember when that was a thing for a while? Not yeah. really so much anymore. The music video that had like the tie-in and like mm. lots of scenes from the movie. That was a huge fucking deal in the 90s, early 2000s. was a
0: cheap way of getting a music video done, am I right? I'd
2: say so, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, I'll just take shots from this Really high budget film. Yeah. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> that was actually one thing. I, the, I, yeah, there is one example of it because it's like Top Gun Maverick when it was out last year, like One Republic have a song in it and your man Ryan Tedder was like, he was like referring to the usage of the song in the film over the volleyball scene, which is almost the entire song because it's like a two and a half minute song. Is he, the new Top Gun. Yeah. I went to see that. I loved it. Um, so you went to see it or you want to see it? I
0: went. What no, did, I went. What did you think? Um, it was a film. You didn't like it? It was definitely a film.
2: Oh, my God. What is this?
0: I mean, it was just like, it was so, it was camp. It was oh, so it's, it's camp. It's very camp, yeah. But then I went to see it and I was just like, as long as everyone's in on it being camp. I think they are. It's like all these like guys with their big muscles like pouring water all over themselves <laughs> and like oiling each other up, basically. And I'm like, this is... Someone's gonna suck someone off. I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> like, surely, is this meant to be camp? <laughs> with the One Republic
2: song playing over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he referred to it as an eighty million dollar music video.
0: Like um, if if we're okay with it being camp, but I'm sure there's a huge amount of lads out there who do not realize how camp it is. Where did
2: you go see it in America by any chance? Or was no, it... I
0: went to see it on a rooftop um thing in Peckham. That sounds cool. It was cute, it was freezing actually.
2: But like you know, there's definitely like a, a school of people who are very much like you know saluting the film while they're watching it. You know, it's yeah. like this is for my okay yeah, soldier, a single, a single, <laughs> no, a single tier, like you know. But no, come on, like 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 it's it's Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Like, come on, there's no way that this film <laughs> you know, it doesn't have um a, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not an ulterior motive or anything. Camp, it's, overtones. It's, camp overtones, yeah, Overtones. Yeah. we we'll go with that.
0: Overtones, undertones. Oh, I think I was
2: said it best just a few minutes ago, but um. <laughs> Nonetheless, pure shores by all saints.
0: <laughs> How did we get to Top Gun from there? I don't know. I, to be fair, I, th- I think
2: the beach. You know, I think um, we should just
0: bring every film back to Top Gun.
2: I'm okay with that. Yeah, but I think the beach and Top Gun have things in common.
0: But you thought it was good, like, yeah, or do I think you it's think really it was? Good, yeah. I thought it was entertaining.
2: Wait, Top Gun? Yeah. Oh, you actually are bringing it back to Top Gun? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I, I thought it was absolutely magnificent, yeah, from from, from Magnificent. Every... Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I thought... You thought it... the
0: storyline was good? Brilliant, yeah. And you the acting was good?
2: Alva, I cried at the <laughs> end.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. I cried. No, that's no judgment. I
2: I cried the third time I went to see it. Wow. <laughs> saw it in Toronto, saw it in Dublin, saw it in Gerada. World wow.
0: tour. Wow, your world tour of world Top tour. Gun. <laughs> wow, we yeah. Look. No shade, bro.
2: Sounds like there's some shade.
0: I found it. My um, I like almost all films, so I did like it.
2: You like almost all films
0: if it's entertaining to me that's like, on difference. any level. That, that's
2: a much different sentence. Then I like it. Okay.
0: I might not think it's good, but I like, I like things it. Things I
2: find entertaining. Yeah, yeah. That's like good. so. If
0: I see a film and it's like really bad, but it is entertaining to me. Sure, sure. I like it. Like, uh, what was that awful one? Uh, Mountain Dime?
2: While well, Met in Time, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I watched that twice. Hysterical. I
2: can't get past the trailer.
0: My favourite comedy. <laughs> okay. Took him out of Ireland in year, Like, it so, was hysterically bad. So where
2: does Top Gun Maverick uh, rank in this kind of Alvaretti mountain of good or bad?
0: I definitely, to me, it was a comedy. A camp, like, kind of cute, like, little, oof, little There's romp. There's comedic
2: things to it, but it, I, I, I think it's a multi-layered narrative, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <Like, laughs> Yes. <laughs> also, when I went to see it, there was like a, top, a, a Tom, top Cruise, Tom Cruise PSA where he's like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you guys are back in the movies. You know, like, this is for you. I have, but before we close this off, and I'm glad that we derailed into topic, you know, talking about <laughs> Top Gun more than talking about The Beach and All Saints. But I must ask, especially for um, certain people who listen to the show who I know are huge fans of him. Where, how do you feel about Tom Cruise?
0: I like. I think he's an amazing actor, but he's mad as a bag of spiders. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. but he,
0: amazing actor. I've seen him like he's in some films that I, he's in some of my favorite films. Uh, one in particular that he's absolutely phenomenal in.
2: Is that in this top five? Yeah. Oh, cool. But okay, so we will get he is to it. Great.
0: Mad as a.
2: Oh yeah, he, yeah. He's completely. Stone. He's completely insane.
0: Yeah, think, but yeah. so good. Yeah. So good. I think he's best when he. Kind of channels into his unhingedness. His mania. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. his mania. Oh yeah. my
2: god, yeah, it's sorry, it, it is your number one. I've I've guessed your number one, yeah, of course. <laughs> I it's. know you it have, ha- I yeah, know you have, yeah, I be. know you have. Okay, so it's not a few good men then, which is fine because I rewatched that recently as well, and I was like, this is just. Stunning popcorn entertainment, mm. yeah. And also, to be fair, I, I think this is a top five where we should be encouraged to just chat about movies every now and then. Uh, so. yeah,
0: one hundred percent. I'd be disappointed if we didn't talk about Cruise. But Bruce in the interest the of moving of things
2: along, um, I will, I will, I will stop talking now. That, that
0: was my number <laughs> four.
2: Can we please have your number four? And of course, if you recall, a bit of mystery in the intro. Mystery. Thank you.
0: Okay, so I love this song and I used to listen to this song all the time on my Walkman, like little CD Walkman when I was a kid and I used to, I had a Greatest Hits CD that had this on it and I, it's like real dancey fun song, kind of I guess, but I used to think the lyrics were so goddamn sad and I used to listen to it all the time and I used to listen to the lyrics and this is when I was like a nerdy like nine year old or whatever and I used to just listen to it over and over again I just think it was the saddest song ever and um, and then i saw it in a film and this is what did you call it like recency
2: recency bias bias yeah
0: this is i kind of leaned into that with my list because i was like i'm just going to pick the ones that i yeah. that pop into my head first you kind of have
2: to with this one i think
0: yeah and this is a very recent film from last year uh which i think made everybody who saw it cry um and what they did with this song, which is a beloved song of mine was very interesting and very brilliant
2: Can I guess what this is? Please Is it Under Pressure from Aftersong?
0: Yes, you're so good (laughs) Oh my god
1: away from it all, like a blind man, sat on a fence, but it don't work, keep coming up with love, but it's so slashed and torn, why, why?
0: Everyone else bawling crying at that bit. Uh, oh my god, that's look
2: away! Yeah, deep sighs.
0: I just love like, I've always thought the lyrics were so sad, but I think you can, like, it's so disguised because the music is you could totally dance to that, not thinking about how sad the lyrics are. And yeah. when they mix it in with the kind of main motif of the film soundtrack, it's just heartbreaking. And with the story around it, and the um, some good friends screaming, Let me out, mm, it's just like. Mm. So heartbreaking, amazing film and gorgeous
2: film. Yeah, uh,
0: the way it breaks into the um, in the scene, she's viewing her dad in the moment, but as a kid, kind of dancing while they're on this last holiday together, and then it cuts to this nightmare she has of him in a rave where she's trying to reach him, and there's strobe lights, and she's just seeing this like slight view of him, like it's like this memory that she's trying to grasp onto while this is playing over, and it's just an absolutely stunning piece of cinema. So. Heartbreaking, so brilliant. So oh,
2: yeah, I, I agree with every word. So, yeah, so that, that is, of course, uh, if anyone doesn't know, it's uh, Dave yeah. Bowie and Freddie Mercury with,
0: with Under, Under Pressure. Pressure in the film After Sun
2: by Charlotte Wells. Um,
0: Phenomenal film.
2: Stunning film, uh, Michael Pope, who was on our most recent, ep- or two episodes ago, he was on uh, our review of Tar on No Popcorn. Uh, he, like, texted me a few weeks ago and he was like, he was like, David, he's like, you didn't warn me about After Sun. <laughs> and he was like, I was like, fuck, did it get you to you cry? And he said, David, it's one of the best films I've ever seen. And it fucking is. Oh, like,
0: I, my T-shirt was soaking wet from me bawling crying. Like and having to like wipe my eyes with my T shirt that I was wearing and was just like I was in bits, I couldn't believe how upset I was. I don't usually get like that at films. I'll be kinda of like, Ooh, tear tear, that's mm. fine. Absolutely howling.
2: Did you go to the cinema?
0: No, thank fuck. I was in <laughs> I was in my bedroom. Okay. Thank God. Oh my God. <sighs> and you'd swear like Jesus, yeah, it was Brilliant,
2: though. Yeah, I feel like the general public will, like, haven't been able to escape this film after Son, of course, starring our own Paul Mescal and the amazing child actress Frankie Correa. Unbelievable, their um, chemistry is brilliant. It's just, and, like, if you haven't seen it, go see it or watch it. It's on movie, you know, go check it out there. Um, I was very kind of apprehensive about it because, you know, I lost my father um, last year and I was like, oh, fuck, that's obviously going to be, you know, in the mix. And it certainly is. But weirdly enough, I definitely cried, but I didn't, like have a full on... I, I didn't have the reaction you had, but I do remember very vividly when I left the cinema and I was walking around Smithfield waiting to meet a friend of mine and I was just like, can anyone give this man a hug? <laughs> this boy needs a hug. Yeah. <laughs> but in a beautiful way. I found, I found yeah, it so yeah. freeing. I found it just so, so gorgeous. And like, I can't believe, by the way, I know she made a couple of short films. Cannot believe that this is Charlotte Wells' debut feature film. I cannot
0: believe it. It's so accomplished. And like, it's so hard to touch a subject like that And make it one original and also make it not feel like it's some sort of complete assault on your emotions or your emotions are being... Sometimes with films like that, I feel like my emotions are being manipulated to cry. Yeah, of course. And music, of course,
2: is a huge proponent of that. There's nothing, I don't know about you, but I, I find there's nothing more annoying than if you're watching a film that does have the emotion in it. And you're mm. like, oh, no, th- those strings don't need to be there. Like, yeah. you're telling me how to feel. And I, I, I actually, the actors have been doing such a great job. And, you know, I watched a film called My Sailor, My Love recently, which is really, really good. And it's like kind of a bit of like an, an older person romance and how the familial ties that bind mm. ultimately destroy us. And it's really stunningly acted. And all of the narrative like that that's kind of buried under the surface I found very affecting but I was really distracted by the score. I was mm. like, oh, fuck. I was like, you're getting in the way. You're telling me how to feel. Whereas, yeah, this score, which I think is, is Oliver Coates, the name of the... I'll have to look it up. I actually
0: don't know. Yeah.
2: Who composed After Sun score. Like, there's a track on there called One Without. And mm. my God.
0: It's so subtle. Like, <laughs> yeah. especially to take a such a well-known kind of needle drop moment and to turn it into something else. Like, it sneaks the moment sneaks up on you from being this really... Cute, joyous moment where she's just watching her dad dance to being this, like, really heartbreakingly sad moment of her as an adult trying to reach him in a dream.
2: Yeah. I found it sad to begin with, though, because I felt that it was, it was like, it's one of the few times that the the Paul Mescal character, like, is actually able to switch off whatever he's going through. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I was like, you know, that's escapism, mm. but it's escapism as, like, hurt. Mm. And it's just, yeah, so Gordy Judge. How did you find the, um, scene where she sings Auriemma karaoke?
0: Um, I found that part of the film uh, what, and one of the other reasons I think it's such a brilliant film is it didn't just like make me sad and it didn't just make me feel one thing I didn't just pity him the whole time at that scene from that scene starting where he won't sing with her till the bit where he disappears off and she's left on her own she's locked out of the room I was furious I don't think I've ever been so angry at a character in a film I was honestly sitting there watching it being like you bastard your daughter is on her own she's so vulnerable like just and also so riddled with anxiety something was going to happen to her every time she came in contact with anyone I felt so much I was so stressed out I was honestly like sitting there with like furious and also so stressed out something was ha- going to happen to this gorgeous little kid yeah. um who you know is representative of the director so it all feels just so much more real um yeah, so I find I find that bit so stressful. It just unbelievably emotive film in it's that a, way.
2: Would Would you watch it again? It's a film I do want to revisit, but I know I'll have to really build up to it.
0: I, um, yeah, I will watch it again at some point. I feel like I'd watch it again in like a few years if I was showing it to someone
2: on a rooftop cinema in Peckham, perhaps. Yeah,
0: yeah, maybe <laughs> bougie, double yeah.
2: double bill with Top Gun Maverick.
0: Um, yeah, but and also the girl in that um in that film, she's the characters around the same age that I would have been in that year. Okay. So all this, the little kind of like pop culture references of the things she's like thinks are cool and this, the kind of getting the thing yeah. done in her hair and everything, all that like really hit home for me because it's very much like don't just on your holidays and getting the little thing done in your hair and playing like the same kind of toys and all that kind of stuff. It all felt really real to me.
2: Fuck yeah. And he, but again, even like this song, like, because yeah, I, I think you're right. There is a melancholy to it as is. And there's a, like, there's a moment in the film Gross Point Blank Where this, where under pressure is used and it's used so wonderfully. It's Mm. this this gorgeous moment of kind of existential crises that's happening and it's mixed in with the hope as well. But yeah, I've always been so blown away by the overwhelmingness of the song that it never really occurred to me to just like fracture it up, which is what Mm. they do here.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, they just I take the isolated vocals and put it over something else and it completely changes the vibe of the song.
2: Yeah. And it's become like its own th- It's become like its own meme, you know, mm. amongst people just being like, Who wants to be sad now? Let's, <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: uh- <laughs> Which is amazing because I remember as a kid being like, these lyrics are tragic.
2: Um I'm not saying they're not, but like I'm maybe like I'm not a lyrics first kind of person.
0: I am. So, that's so may- probably why. So
2: maybe I'm a terrible mm. human being, but you know, you are a songwriter, so I'm like it's that's what you're it drawn tracks.
0: to. Yeah. But, but
2: like I'm just curious as to what, like, how that jumped out at you immediately when you were younger. Like, like, what made you go, "Fuck, this is tough."
0: Um, watching some good friends screaming, "Let me," and then the turn away from it all, just in town, sat on the fence, but I don't know. And like the way he sings it is very emotive. I can't. I'm not obviously going to do a full cover of it now, but they're just the lyrics just stand out as being very lonely.
2: Interesting. I, like, it's, I'm, it's
0: clearly about like depression and yeah, angst and stuff, but it's hidden within quite like bouncy music
2: I've always been just so overwhelmed by Mercury's vocal in particular and just the build and the boom Mm. that I'm just like you know and again I I think we all love that juxtaposition Mm. of here's a sad song wrapped up in a triumphant thing and the real you know it's a classic yeah Wow no Fucking amazing choice I'm really glad you chose this one Because I, 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 I thought about it And I was like I think I picked Under Pressure before For the Gross Point Blank thing And I was like Maybe Alva will pick this Who knows
0: Okay good Okay so, I'm glad I'm, glad. Um, no, I'm yeah. really
2: glad I'm really really glad you did uh, Number three for me um, It's one of those ones Where it's like Oh my god How could you pick one needle drop From this filmmaker And this <laughs> is kind of I mean this wouldn't even be My favourite one But I think it is Particularly evocative So we'll hear a bit of the scene it's And intrigued. how this figures into play So let's go do be rude
1: Drink your drink But
0: do it quickly say good night
1: and go home you know what i want this day
0: You can maintain loyalty because being loyal is...
2: Really- I do love John DeVelta in this sequence. That is, of course, from Pulp Fiction. The song is Girl, you Be a Woman Soon, which was originally written and released by Neil Diamond in the 60s. Uh, sixty-seven, I think, maybe sixty-eight. Uh, the band doing the cover of this is a band called Urge Overkill, and I have never heard of them before or since. Uh, I played <laughs> my brother's Pulp Fiction CD soundtrack to death back when I was ten or something. I always find like like I'm like I was ten and I was obsessed with Pulp Fiction. That makes no sense. Yeah, but I was. <laughs> yeah, like I don't get it.
0: I watched it around the same age and found it kind of like really too tense and scary and it's yeah. kind of put me off for life
2: really okay yeah. Um, I do love Quentin Tarantino I will say yes he's got plenty of flaws and I'm happy to hear them all but I, I, I love his work I really re do and I love his work with music and his music selections mm. and I don't know where he stumbled upon some early 90s release of a you know cover of a Neil Diamond song and am sorry to put it in this movie so it's a scene where you know John Travolta and Emma Thurman have yeah. won the dance competition they go back to the house for one drink and he's obviously attracted to her but it's his boss's wife, so, you know, do not do that, mate. And <laughs> while he's upstairs having his, you know, listen, man, you're just going to go home, it's fine, uh, she overdoses on his drugs, and it goes from there. Uh, I rewatched Pulp Fiction a bit a year ago, and it was kind of that thing where I was like, look, I've seen this thing so many times, especially, you know, uh, when I was way too young to see it, and then into my teens or whatever. I'm like, I wonder if time hasn't been kind to it. Maybe it's not quite the godlike thing I thought it was. And no, it still is. Like it still is. I wish it didn't have the scene where Tarantino popped up and said the N word, but you can't have everything. Um but, but I do think it's quite a, a masterpiece of pop culture. And that's what his films are. The barrages to me and the music is always really interesting. And what's he gonna mm. like he's a human jukebox. Um so I couldn't like this like I said, this wouldn't necessarily be like my favourite Tarantino pick, but you know, again I was like, Oh yeah, I love the the kind of contrast in that in that scene. And I always love I fell in love with this song. Um I thought it was fucking beautiful. And of course it made sense that it was by Neil Diamond because Neil Diamond was always being played in my house as well. There was yeah. like vinyls downstairs and stuff. But um, yeah, like I say, Tarantino's divisive. Where do you stand on him? And did she go back to Pulp Fiction after childhood or not?
0: I saw it when I was like 10 and then I would have watched it again when I was like 16 or 17. I mean, it's one of those things where I'm like, I can see that it's really good. And I get, obviously, like the music and stuff is always really great in his films. And I've watched most of his big films. I've mostly watched other than a few or that are just outrageously violent that I'm just like yeah. not interested like I just don't I just don't give a shit about Kill Bill
2: <laughs> oh wow that was my first one I saw in care. the cinema that's the
0: first one I saw in a friend's house and it scared the shit out of me <laughs> um, but I was only like 10 again like shouldn't have been watching it Um, and then yeah it, they just don't move me in any way and I think that's what I go to films for it's like I can appreciate the artistry of it and the skill without being like I would never go back to it and I wouldn't if someone else was watching it I'd give it a go and I'd be like that's really cool but that's what it is to me. It's like really cool. and technically proficient. It doesn't, doesn't do anything for me emotionally, I think, is, is my thing with Tarantino.
2: That's interesting. Um, like I was kind of maybe moving in, into that direction with him, I thought, for a time. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came on, which listeners of the show will be rolling their eyes already because I can never stop praising that film enough. I've seen it I eight thought it was, times. I thought it was Alva. cool.
0: <laughs> but again I was like Emotionally cold
2: Yeah I should have actually Picked the fucking At time uh, needle drop From that one Because <laughs> it, it is It is done brilliantly um, But that's fine Like you're allowed to Be emotionally yeah, cold I, But it.
0: I also It's not like I'm like I hate him with these crap I'm just like He's really good And his films are excellent And I feel nothing
2: Interesting Interesting um, I
0: feel nothing other than Like impressed
2: I'm curious what like not obviously not not looking for like a massive list here, and obviously we've just talked about After Sun, but can you give me an example of a film that like has moved you to the point you're like wow, like I'm completely blown away by this?
0: Um, I think some of them are. I think most of them are on my list, but okay. yeah, I mean, uh, from this film, I'm gonna pick a song, and this is a film that really moved me recently. I watched it last year, um, and I actually then rewatched it last night because after picking out this scene, I then was like, I kind of need to rewatch this now because it's so brilliant. Um, it's this scene where it's like the last scene of the film where the main character seems her ex-boyfriend through a window with his new partner and it's just like this little tiny snapshot moment which I feel like if you're from Dublin you've probably had that moment with an ex where you've seen them from afar because the city is the size of a dinner plate <laughs> but uh, yeah I mean go ahead
1: A stick, a stone, it's the end of a road It's the rest of a stump, it's a little alone It's a sliver of glass, it is life, it's the sun It is night, it is death, it's a trap, it's a gun It's the wind blowing free it's the end of a slope it's a beam it's a void it's a hunch it's a hope and the riverbank talks of the waters of march it's the end of the strain it's the joy in your heart
0: So that's Waters of March by Art Garfunkel from the film The Worst Person in the World, which is a Norwegian film that came out last year or the year before, I think. Yeah, one of those. I think it was last year. I mean, critically lauded. Um, I watched it again last night because I wanted to be fresh in my mind and I just for my own uh, viewing pleasure or whatever, I watched it again last night. Just there's so few films for a woman my age. There's so few films where you see a woman going through the world through whatever, it's a 15-year period or whatever, and, you know the secondary characters are the men she's in relationships. I feel like I've seen that film done with the, from the male perspective a thousand times and never really from a woman's perspective. And I remember my friend Callum texted me saying, you need to watch this film because the main character kind of reminds me of you. <laughs> Especially the whole thing where I also love that all of them at some point like at, in the film say, like, oh, I just feel like the worst person in the world. Kind of, they, like, they don't actually say that because that's like too on the nose, but they basically that feeling of going through breakups and relationships where at times you just feel like such a jerk just moving through the world. I love that character, she's so charming but so flawed um, and you see her mature on screen and all this, her, the way she like moves forward and the world is amazing. And also that unbelievable, if you haven't seen this film, go see it, all you have to do is look up the, tr- I think it's in the trailer anyway, that scene where she pauses everything in the city and runs through, I don't know how, they, it's just so stunning and she runs through the whole place to find this guy that she's decided she's fallen in love with. And I love that, it, I just love that it, at no point do you get any real answers about life or anything it's just life is like what you make of it and her own contentment comes from her fulfilling herself as opposed to her fulfilling herself through relationships I just think the message is really fresh
2: yeah no it's magnificent Um, I remember I was talking to my ex-girlfriend and she said that she saw it and of course, I'm hilarious. So I said, oh, they made a documentary about you? <laughs> ha, ha aren't I great? Um, Zing. Yeah, uh, she she laughed. It was fun. You know, every, everyone had a great time. Mm, we, all, also just, we all partied. Uh, it's so cool.
0: It's just such a great, like, none of the, and they don't make any of the boyfriends absolute bastards or anything. No. It's just, it's so well done. You see, like, the nasty parts of her personality being brought out through the breakups, the nasty parts of theirs being we're like, it's so brilliant. Like, it's just so well acted, everything. I couldn't fault it. Um, and that scene just struck me as being so brilliant because there's a piece to it. There's contentment that comes with age um, and maturity of her watching this ex-lover through a window and he's moved on and he's yeah. with a new partner. And she, for a second, she looks sad and then she seems so at peace with it and kind of like happy for him. Nothing is said, none of it's on the nose and then you just go see her back in her apartment like working on stuff and she's doing what she wants. Um, but we've all lived that, like we've all seen someone from afar and been like, oh wow, look at them having that little moment. They yeah. used to be having that moment with me.
2: And they're right there. Like, and, I mean, I could go over, I'm not yeah, going to. but
0: I'm not going to because it'd be awkward. It's just really beautiful and that, that song choice is stunning and is, you can't really, it's kind of melancholy but it is really peaceful.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a it's a tremendous film. She's a really, really interesting character. And Mm. yeah, like the thing about the boyfriends, yeah, like they're like they're not villains again to use that word. I love that, yeah. Um and like her behavior on occasion, it's like in one relationship for sure, there's elements to it where it's like, well, you know, yeah, she probably is better off without this, but like doesn't end it perfectly at all. But again, it's like that's life. It's like people don't do that always. Like it's not, you know, a hallmark fucking movie.
0: Yeah, and I love how messy it is and Uh, she leaves a boyfriend because she's kind of decided that she's fallen in love but she is just running away and the whole time is he's like he's like you just like ran away because it got hard and at one point he asks her like why didn't you tell me that you had met someone else and she doesn't give a proper answer she just says I wouldn't have dared yeah like just like because I didn't like there's no real answer there it's just like I just couldn't it's so brilliant phenomenal film one of my favorites of the last few years
2: I think we can all agree that the real worst person in the world in this movie is that she's at a party and she puts on One Thing by Amory and someone (laughs) pulls out the aux cord while the song is on to put on some soft jazz or something. So
0: fucking rude. Unbelievable. Yeah. First so of all,
2: like first of all, that's an amazing song. Like yeah. one thing is one of the great fucking pop bangers of all time. Second of all, everyone's having a good time. Like mm. and they just like, yanks out the chords. Like no, 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 no. You, like
0: it's such a good way of... <laughs> but that has happened at parties yeah. a million times. Especially if you're at a party with like people who see you as the junior, and it to be like that. It really expresses that they're like she's the young girlfriend of one of their of one of their peers. She's and not really
2: part like, of
0: our. We'll all like this. Yeah, she's not really part yeah. of our group, so her music taste is silly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Wow, yeah, no, it's great. I loved this one. I saw great it fun. and yeah. I must go back to it. But again, I was like, oh, it's, it is amazing, but oof, it's close to home, you know? You're just like...
0: <laughs> Beautiful, yeah. yeah. I watched it last night and it was really actually worth the rewatch.
2: All right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's also on movie. For some reason, I'm uh, allowing movie to sponsor the show for no for, for not for no money. Uh, and uh,
0: you get your first week for free. <laughs> <laughs> and if you use the code. <laughs> uh,
2: number two for me, keeping it art house. Uh, this film is from 1994. This is a cover of a song that you all know, and Ooh. it's used so beautifully in this movie. So here we go. Yeah, that's uh, Dreams by the Cranberries, but not as we know it. Uh, that is a Cantonese cover by the actress and pop singer Faye Wong. Uh, this is taken from the motion picture Chunking Express, which came out in 1994. It's a Wong Kar Wai film. And I only saw it for the first time about two years ago. And then I saw it again recently in the IFI. They did a at Wong Kar Wai season. And it's five stars. Like, it is one of the best films I've ever seen. It's magnificent. And it is this incredible kind of, it has two narratives in it. Um, and it's like both of them concern like love-lorn people who just can't make it work and you know I don't want to say too much about it plot-wise but like it's just so vivid like the way it's shot the way it's put together people bouncing off each other and crucially kind of like towards the end of this movie like there's like There's a cop and he's, you know, he's obsessed with a a failed relationship. Um, This woman has left him. She's like an air hostess. And then he goes to this fast food joint every day. And there's a kind of a, long before the kind of term was even coined, there's a very much a manic pixie dream girl who works there, played by the Fei Wong character Mm -hmm. who's singing that song there. And like... She constantly plays on the radio. She plays, like, um, California Dreamin' by the Mamas and the Papas, like, like at full blast. Mm. And he's always asking her to turn it down and stuff. So music plays a big part in this movie. But, like, this song kind of comes in where, essentially, she, it's clear that these people, ha- like, have a crush on each other. Like, uh, but they don't know how to say it to each other. And what happens in a kind of a madcap way is she begins to break into his apartment while he's at work and clean it for him mm. And so while listening to this song. And so she's like making his life better, doing little kind of small things in the background while clearly pining for him and he's not noticing it because he's still hung up on this other person. And the film concludes with just a a, a a magnificent scene that like I just think is so gorgeous. And then once it hits the credits, this blasts on and just comes in again, this cover of of dreams. And I remember like just leaving the cinema there recently and I just had the biggest smile on my face. I was like, oh. It's so beautiful, it's so perfect. So
0: I must check it out. I haven't a breeze.
2: I really, really think you'd love it. Like I think it's great going in knowing even less than what I just said, but that's not too much in, in spoilers. We can exchange like,
0: each other's lists after this.
2: We must, we must do that. But um, there's a piece in the really, really good film website, Little White Lies, uh, which talks about this and said, if Fei Wong was already something of a pop star prior to 1994, Chungking Express launched her to new heights, but it wasn't until the album that she released that she truly established a new identity and it was her shimmering cover of Dreams that cemented her move into alternative rock elevating her above the traditional canto pop ballads playing on the radio. The song was basically a massive hit in 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 Hong Kong and around the world, but I mean like it's that weird thing where you're like, "Really? Like The Cranberries' Dreams like that traveled to such I know they were big in the States and stuff, but it's like, really?" And there's um a quote here where it says, "By 1996, The Cranberries had become household names in Hong Kong. The success of Dreams thrust the Irish band into the cultural mainstream in a manner that was highly unusual at the time for a Western artist." Uh I think Noel Hogan from the Cranberries says, I don't ever remember hearing of anyone else getting their song covered and released in the way that Dreams was down there. The story that we've been told was that Fei Wong's version of it became the favourite song of the Chinese Prime Minister's wife. Mm. When she'd go places, they'd play the song and it made it a hit. Uh, they ended up playing some like insane 12,500 capacity show that they were like, surely people aren't going to turn out for this or you know, give us the time of day, but no, like they were like heroes over there. Amazing. Because of its usage in this incredible film. So yeah, Chunking Express is the name of it. I think it's it's one of the best films I've ever seen. Whoa.
0: So go. I'll go with that. He's for, talking big talk.
2: Listen, it's it's unbelievable. It's it's Oof. gorgeous. And and again, I, I don't know, I mean like 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 how do you feel about like end credits music? Like I mean like like it's that can I like people have this it's thing stuff like
0: two of mine are last, see, last seen last scene.
2: But people Does have it? this thing where it's like you know, like you know, you remember like the end of a movie. So it's like you can make an average movie, but if you if you have a great fucking ending, you know, people Recency even bias biased them. as easy. Yeah. say. and if, if if you blast a great song over that yeah. in credits, you know, play
0: your best song last. That's why they do it at gigs too.
2: Do you play your best song last at gigs?
0: Uh, maybe. I mean, that's in the eye of the listener. Really. What is your best the song ear of the listener? <laughs> uh, what's my best song? Yeah, yet to be written.
2: What an answer! What an answer! <laughs> All right, that was my that was my runner up. What have you got for us next?
0: Okay, my runner up is from a film that is dear to many indie film lover hearts. Uh, it's from a producer who I adore. He's also worked with Fiona Apple, did one of my favourite Fiona Apple albums, um, and this song just hits me right in the feels. I think it's really sweet, nostalgic, beautiful. I'm sure you'll recognise it straight away. <laughs> uh. Wait, what am I doing? You know something, Freddy? You don't scare me anymore. Ow! Joel! Oh.
1: Joelie, get out no. Come on, no. it's not no. worth it. They're not no. worth it, Joel! No. La 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 la, he's not listening! Come on, Joel! Stupid! I'm
0: so ashamed.
1: It's okay. You are a little kid. It's yeah. where I lived. Lived. I wish I knew you when I was a kid. Do you like my pink hat? Here, look, feel better. You can really kill me this time. It's my I turn. Can? Go. One, You're two, really three. gonna
0: die though. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: One, two, three. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're dead. Uh, oh, my mom.
0: It's okay. It's okay. I, We're playing. It's not mom. real. He's so me. that's John Bryan um, with peer pressure from the film Turn off sunshine Up, and spot his mind. That little ding, 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 ding. ding. Ah, my heart.
2: It took me a second to realise what it was and I am scared to ever go back to this film because I saw it in the cinema, adored it, bought it on DVD, definitely watched it at least once. Yeah,
0: I wore the DVD out.
2: But I don't think I've watched it in about 20 years, and I know that it's going to fucking destroy me, so... It's kind
0: of (laughs) brilliant to watch it, even if you've gone... I watched it after a breakup once, and it actually made me feel weirdly better. Okay. Because it's like, okay, well, I guess you you can either have... You have to have the memories, I guess, rather than none. It's kind of interesting. I Mm. implore you to go back. But if it doesn't go well, don't. Well, Let no.
2: Well, to be like, it it can't not go well. I recall it being a pretty brilliant film. I mean, the
0: soundtrack is just kiss, 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 so good.
2: When was the last time you watched it?
0: Maybe three or four years ago. It's one yeah. I return to like every three or four years since it came out.
2: You know those films that you're like, I, like, I know this is going to rule. I know it's going to yeah. be great, but it's going to take something from me. I'll watch Iron Man 2 instead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Because no, I love say, to like, cry, man. <laughs> I've had people
2: say, like, they're, like, they're like, man, they're like, what's with your fucking letterbox? You just watch trash. And I'm like, it's easier. I know Cinema Paradiso is right there and I adore it. Yeah. But I'm like, look... I'm just gonna just watch the Iron Man films. Okay, again, I would I don't never like go to Iron much.
0: Man, but I would go to like Thirteen Going on Thirty. Sure, yeah. Or Headley's Going Ten Days, like real two thousands early like rom coms. That's that'd be my thing. I can't stand any Marvel stuff.
2: Just like Heaven with Reese Witherspoon, where yeah. she's in oh, love with the ghost. Oh, she is the ghost, I believe. Yeah. Mm,
0: that's not. It's not one of my go-to ones, but I do know it. Just all those ones, like yeah. um, failure to Launch, just garbage, garbage, trash, but so good.
2: Yeah. It's like fast food or something. You're just like, I, I don't need yeah. to commit to this. I can look at my phone. I can make the bed. Mm. I can I can you know. vaguely
0: remember the first time I watched it. It is a very comforting nostalgia.
2: Sorry, this? No, or, no, no, oh, yeah, the other sorry, films. Yeah, yeah.
0: This is comforting nostalgia to me. I just think it's a beautiful film. I've read like the original script and everything. The original script has a bit more storyline around the creation of this device that deletes your memories. So, yeah, so for
2: anyone who hasn't seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, how would you outline it?
0: So it's two great actors, uh, Kate, Kate Winslet, and Jim Carrey play a couple who have broken up, gotten back together, broken up, um, and they decide. He realizes that she is. Deleted her memories of him through this clinic, this like makey uppy clinic that deletes the memories of people that have broken your heart or people who've died, so you can get all of that removed. And um, he realizes that she has done it, so then he goes to do it himself, but. It drags you into the film drags you into his memories of her. And in halfway through the deletion process, he realizes he doesn't want to lose these memories because he wants to keep them. He's like at there's one point where they have this beautiful memory of I think them in bed together or something that's like real early on, kind of beautiful golden light under the bed sheets, kind of gorgeous memory, and he's like, No, no, I want to keep this one. And all of a sudden he's trying to hold on to her and hide her in different memories. So you see like flashes of different parts of his life where he's trying to hide her in these memories, and it's just really beautiful look at it. Um, and then some like brilliant performances like Kirsten um, Dunst plays a brilliant kind of uh, character on the outside as well who works for this clinic who's got her own thing going on. It's, it's really great. It's just a great film. Great soundtrack done by John Ryan as well. And, St- and uh, Beck has one of the main songs on it as well. Is like the main ne- needle drop I think as well. Everybody's got to learn some time.
2: And did, uh, did the music hit you just as hard as the narrative when you saw it?
0: Yeah, it, that those soundtrack songs are just really beautiful. I actually go back and listen to them pretty frequently. But they're very relaxing, and that little that little song there is so it sounds like childhood.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and even like when when the clip played again, it was a combination of having not seen on so long that I was just like, "What is this?" And I was like, "That's Jim Carrey!" Like, what, mm. like what emotional film was he? And I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I was just like the oh, emotional no. yeah, performance, like, oh, no. yeah. Oh, Christ, It's eternal sunshine,
0: yeah. Um, and I just love the way they play with the memories and stuff in the film. That like, uh, there's one bit that is so freaky, but they go to turn a character around, but he only remembers seeing the back of his head. So every time he pulls at him, he turns around, and the guy has no like there's loads of creepy real sci-fi bits and i love sci-fi so it kind of brings that sci-fi element into a romance which i think is just very cool
2: wow so after sun and eternal sunshine in this top five and i'm pretty sure i know what your number one is so are you okay already yeah i
0: fucking love a sad song and a sad (laughs) film but i have a sunny disposition i would say you do
2: you you definitely do yeah but you know, it's uh, it's like that thing we talked about with the under pressure. You know, it's like the yeah, yeah, you know, the melancholy wrapped up in you got, a you
0: gotta have both in a sunshine yeah. package. Yeah. Imagine if all my films were just like really, I don't even know. I can't even get an example of one that I'd pick that would be like really weirdly happy.
2: All your films or all your songs?
0: If all my films were uh, and songs, sorry. Yeah.
2: Well, you are going to be a filmmaker someday. We like we we have of course we have decreed this.
0: You and I are going to direct a new uh the new Top Gun.
2: I would fucking. Love that. that is top
0: yeah, 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 yeah. The right. saddest and the campest, if that's possible.
2: Sad gun. Okay. Yeah, so sad gun. number one for me is a bit of an obvious choice, I think. Ooh. But um this is a ridiculous song. And like I learned some interesting information about the song this week, which I which I'll get to in a moment, but also this song was done dirty because it oh. it's on the fucking end credits and isn't in the actual film itself. But it really is like that thing we were talking about earlier on where it was such a tie-in. And I remember the video, the whole thing Adam. Take it away, my number one.
1: Spin it when it snows My eyes become a lot and the light that you shine can
2: Yes, of course. It's "Kiss from a Rose" by Seal, which appeared on the soundtrack to Batman Forever.
0: (laughs) I was like, "What film was this?" And I was like, "Batman." Yeah, Yeah. Batman Forever,
2: the third live-action Batman movie, if you don't count the uh, TV show adaptation of the sixties. So this song, like, I I presumed it was like either written for Batman Forever or certainly out of its time, but not quite. Uh, It's from his second eponymous album, which came out in ninety-four. So this came out in July ninety nine July of nineteen ninety four and was included in of all things the film The Never Ending Story Three in the what same the year. Hell? Yeah. So it's not even technically Batman Batman has no ownership here. Batman Forever doesn't come out until like June ninety five, when it inexplicably gets re released and attached to that movie. On the So end Batman credits, ripped off
0: the never ending story or
2: whatever, three? Well, t- yeah, three. Uh which, you know, again, you know, is that story ever going to end? Apparently not. No. Yeah,
0: never ending. No,
2: an endless affair, if you will.
0: Oh my goodness, whoa, Listen, that's full they, circle, baby. That's
2: why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> but this song was written in 1987, apparently, so it was, it was around for quite some time, and Seal didn't like it. He said, oh. after he wrote it, he felt embarrassed by it and threw the tape of the recording in the corner. So Seal did not present this until to his producer, Trevor Horn, until the recording sessions for his second eponymous album, And back in 2015, he said, to be honest, I was never really that proud of it, though I like what Trevor did with the recording. He turned that tape from my corner into another eight million record sales and my name became a household name.
0: So mad. But it happens all the time with songwriters. They're just like, I don't like that song that made me famous. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, like Brass in My Pocket, doesn't Kirsty Hind hate that song?
2: I think so. Um, Kings of Leon famously hates Saxon Fire, but it's not So Also, very, the rest of us. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah true.
0: It's like, oh, you hate it? So do we. Yeah. But, but,
2: but like, I, I, I don't understand. Like, like, like that's 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 one thing. This is Kiss from a Rose. I know.
0: <laughs> Sorry. And this isn't even a, like, you can tell with some songs, you're like, yeah, of course you hate that song. It's garbage. But, like, um, no. Like, the no, the of, this song's really good. Yeah, the notion
2: of Seal like coming home from the studio,
0: doing good tonight, and no. the lyrics are good and the vocal trash. is good. I wrote, I wrote a trash song. It's not like it's like oh, it's really obvious. I can see why he doesn't like it. It's like this is about you, got bro. Yeah, like
2: apparently, like it was out and then it dropped out of the charts. Joel Schumacher, who made the third Batman movie, called Seal up and said, "Can we use the song to play over a love scene between Nicole Kidman and Val Kilmer?" Now, I don't think I've seen that film about. 57 times
0: no it's just at the end isn't it
2: I think it's just at the end I don't think that there first of all there is no love scene there's a couple of like it is I will say it's a very horny Batman film I remember. yeah
0: like, it's certainly yeah. so I,
2: I would have been like 11 going to see this movie and I, even the
0: toys still like still 10 possibly I was looking at the toys from that I had have the toys from that particular Batman franchise mm. and I tell you Catwoman in comparison to the Catwoman that my niece and nephew have, <laughs> it's like a different species. Like they're just like the Catwoman from like the nineties has nipples. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like my niece is doing this, like normal human body, but this is when she's like, and, like real. <laughs> so we, we know when we're like, this is actually inappropriate. I don't think we should let them play with this. <laughs>
2: I remember going so to see this. Sexed up. I remember going to see that again. I was on the verge of turning eleven or something, and I was like, "I was like, what the fuck is going on with Nicole Kidman's character? Like, I've never <laughs> seen someone who's more desperate to fuck Batman." <laughs> and it's like you're supposed to be a psychologist. Like, what is this? And yeah. then yeah, Kiss from Rose plays inexplicably like over. I think it's even the second song in the end credits. You're like, what? Why is this song so disrespected from from its author to the people who paid lots of money to put it in their movie? And like it did, like the video, and
0: the, everybody loves it.
2: Yeah, so the music video, like which you know has of course lots and lots of scenes from the movie, and also Seal standing next to the bat symbol, which works, I guess, because this was a fucking mega hit. After yeah. this, eight million sales. As and the he's man is like standing on a says. roof or something. He's standing on a roof, yeah, yeah Batman style. Um, he's committed, you know.
0: And karaoke the world over have been thrilled ever since. Have you ever? Oh, yeah. You have? Yeah, yeah. With this? Yeah, yeah. I actually sang it at karaoke last Friday. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't done karaoke in years, but that was on the top of my list.
2: And how'd it go? How'd it feel?
0: Really good. Really good. Especially because it was just me and like two other people in the room, so... Really good,
2: incredible. Yeah. Well, that's my number one, and I think I know your number one. But why- I think
0: you know my number one. <laughs> and Zara Hederman, this is for you because you said that you love this film, but you hate this bit. As um, you disagree. That is Wise Up by Amy Mann from the film Magnolia, one of my favourites, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Just all those names together. I mean, come on. Uh, Unbelievable cast, including Tom Cruise, who is unbelievable in this film. Who
2: are singing in this clip as well, the montage. Everyone
0: sings in this clip. That's why Zara doesn't like it. I disagree because... The first time I watched it, I was like, what the fuck? But then the film has all these like weird, surreal elements to it anyway, like the frogs and everything. Yeah, There's yeah. loads of bits to it that get really weird at the end, so it kind of makes sense. And also, tidbit, the characters from this bil- film are all based on, parts of the script are based on Amy Mann's lyrics. So Paul Thomas Anderson, obviously they're friends, and he's a big fan of her music, and then he based some of the script, and um, the characters are based on people from her songs and it's very much embedded in it so i guess it kind of makes sense why they would do that what do you think of them uh, singing I, this the, weird karaoke montage the
2: scene i think is amazing um i think this is a masterpiece of a film mm. um and my brother huge Amy man fan certainly mm. back then and loved this film as well uh, the soundtrack was was constantly being oh, played it's an amazing soundtrack in, in the house like and it is yeah it's like i love the soundtrack i i i love this film so much and Weirdly, like, <laughs> I would have had it on DVD and I would have watched it like a few times, even though mm. it's like three hours long and it feels like a bit six hours long because it's just so fucking heavy. Mm. I went to see it in the lighthouse there a few years ago. Um, it could be like four or five years ago at this stage. They were just showing a 35 mil of it or something. And I was like, oh man, I can't wait to see this on the big screen. And I loved it. I thought it was amazing. But I, I, but I really, well, I, I think I turned to my friend at one stage and I was like, you know, I forgot just how depressing this is. <laughs> Like, just how heavy, just mm. how emotional and, and fucking... it. This film tears your soul out, like...
0: Yeah, I love a depressing film.
2: Me too, but but this is so... Uh, I'm
0: just uh, realising uh, that <laughs> after all my picks, I'm like, not one of those was happy.
2: <laughs> well, you can... You know, the Charles Sunshine one was kind of nice. But I mean, like... I, I, I get hope from this film in a weird way. It's mm. it's uh, Adam, our, our wonderful Sonic architect, who's Michaelis over here, did say he hasn't seen the movie before. And for anyone who hasn't seen the film Magnolia, it's essentially like, well, it's like a collision course of all these very broadly drawn characters.
0: Every film that's done that thing where it's loads of these characters where their lives are intertwined, they're trying to do this film.
2: And they're all going through the fucking ringer as well. Yeah,
0: and the way people tie into each other and like there's one scene between one of the characters like, and they're, they're literally pulling... Uh, bits of dialogue from Amy Mann's songs. That's why it makes so much sense that they would actually all sing it at the end. Um, Tom Cruise, his performance is astounding. It's he
2: lost the Oscar to Michael Caine in I, *The Cider House Rules*. No,
0: robbed, and I can't believe that I'm saying that, but it's, it's he insane. was robbed.
2: It's crazy. I mean, like, that's one thing I know that Zara Hederman will agree with you on. That. I think she was kind of a bit of a career sceptic, possibly, or just hadn't seen that much was of him. sceptic. <laughs> but then I believe she, like, watched, like, a bunch of films in mm. space of a month a few years ago during the pandemic. And I know that she's like, what, like, this is, like, this performance is unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's, it's unbelievable.
0: <laughs> g- uh, really interesting to watch today because he basically plays this, like... Um,
2: Cult leader.
0: Yeah, or, like, men's rights activist, yeah, kind of. Yeah. What's the pickup artist? those like self-help pickup artist people yeah. that very much like he's Andrew Tate 20 or 30 years before Andrew Tate had existed. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: very misogynistic. It's uh... kind of
0: interesting to watch because you're like, okay, these people did always exist. Sometimes the internet makes you feel like these people have just suddenly appeared out of nowhere and the world is going down the toilet. But actually like, you know, this is, it has existed for a very long time. Um, but really interesting to watch him and he does these his performance is incredible when he's talking about how to pretend to that you are a kind and caring person and he does this whole speech about how he is pretends to women that he's kind and caring so that he can manipulate them and then he's you see other scenes where he's being interviewed by a woman who's um trying to pick apart his character and trying to figure him out she's another reason so you are gonna see him coming undone in the film and how he ties into all the rest of the different characters it's so such a brilliant film and the soundtrack is just Amy Mann. yeah. Impeccable.
2: She's great. Like mm-hmm. um, underrated, if anything, I would say. Um, and they yeah, absolutely bit, that bit in the interview when, like, you know, he start he 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 begins to stop an- like answering any questions, and she's like, he's just letting the time go down on the interview, mm. and then she's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm quietly judging you." Yeah.
0: It's fucking amazing. But she's completely. All she has to do is, I mean, with any man like that, I guess, all she has to do is just men- mention his mother. Yes. And he and completely crumbles, falls apart.
2: Yeah, big time.
0: Uh, it's brilliant. Such I've, a great film. Oh,
2: the late Philip Seymour Hoffman's amazing mm. in like,
0: it. Oh, oh. The cast is like Julianne Moore. Yeah. Um, uh, John C. Riley,
2: yeah. Um, Melora Walters. She's phenomenal in this movie.
0: Incredible, incredible cast. Yeah. yeah. Um, incredible director. What a, what a team!
2: But like, it is one of those. Things. I, I know it's a cliche. I know people are like, "Oh, like the soundtrack is a character itself." But in this, it as you say, it literally is. It is all the characters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how many films can claim that? You know. Yeah,
0: that's why it's so cool that the, like that end bit is interesting. But it is the first time I saw the film because it's that's not the kind of thing I, I don't really like. That kind of surrealist stuff happening in films. I'm not really into musicals, so the first time I saw the film, I just felt really weird about the frogs and that. The singing at the end, um, but I've grown to love it because it makes sense for this film.
2: Yeah, and it's, uh, what's that? For, it's, it's magical realism or something. Mm. But like, I do think it earns it. I can completely understand, though, why uh, Zara, uh, all the shout-outs for you, Zara. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can do it that, or anybody w- would be like, you know what? No, that's way too fucking pretentious. That's way too much. You broke the immersion. I get it. I do mm. get it completely. I just personally, I'm with you. I thought it was like the cherry on top. It's I was like, brave. wow. They
0: could have ended the film it's just really sad but it kind of shocks you or something a bit because it's so tragic and then that bit kind of shocks you out of it I don't know if the film would have sat with me as much if there wasn't that scene at the end
2: yeah I think it's transcendent yeah for sure mm. and I do remember yeah. I remember um, an interview with P.T. Anderson once where he was like oh he's amazing somebody said to him there that the interviewer said that they were like they're like oh like you know, there happens a general chit chat and P.T.A. mentioned that he was flicking through the channels the other night and he said oh Magnolia was on He's so, like, sorry, like I just watched the second half of it or whatever, and the guy was like, "Oh, what did you think?" And he goes, "I remember thinking it was really fucking long, <laughs> <laughs> and it is."
0: <laughs> so it is really long. I, I happened to uh, catch it. I was about fifteen or sixteen, and my older sister Kira, who's um, eleven years older than me, so she was up really late watching it while she was working on uh, college work, and it happened to come on the TV. It was one of those. It's one of those films that kind of comes on late at night randomly yeah. on TV and I think it must have been on like or T 2 or something starting at like 11pm and I couldn't Ridiculous, sleep yeah. I remember <laughs> went downstairs and I ended up with just being with ads as well yeah yeah I know yes yeah. so it went on I, I watched it we ended up watching it till like 2 in the morning we were both wrecked and she had seen it before and I just kind of ended up just getting so hooked and I remember watching the whole thing and it was just I was 15 and I had never seen a film like it before
2: yeah I think I'm going to go back to it having not done so now for the last four or five years because yeah, I, I now want to. It is, mm. yeah. And that's your homework, Adam. you got to watch Magnolia. Nope. Okay,
0: we'll do a whole Magnolia podcast next.
2: Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Seven hours long. Brings um, our
0: in. We can debate this.
2: I would love to do yeah, that. Yeah,
0: yeah yeah absolutely let's fight it out
2: yeah Yeah, we can do that I'm sure in the meantime uh, thank you so much for this
0: thank you thank you for having me it was a delight
2: I've greatly enjoyed doing this top five with you thank you and of course the album Endless Affair is out now it sure is Whelan's in Dublin on May the 5th and May the 6th
0: yes please come
2: and you're also touring elsewhere in the world of course
0: yeah going starting in the UK um Yeah, starting in the UK next week or this week.
2: She's on all the socials. I'm doing
0: a few bits on Bobs. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Go look her up. It's Alvaretti, everybody. Hey. Thank you once more to the wonderful Alva Reddy. Thank you for coming into the studio, to Adam's wonderful, wonderful Sonic Palace, and chatting to us about your top five movie needle drops. I thought it was a pretty spectacular selection, if I do say so myself, about Alva's top five. I think mine were pretty good as well. I hope, you know? I mean, like, the jury's out. You let me know. Uh, It's a tough one. Like I said before, a very, very tough one. Not easy to just kind of nail it down to five. In fact, literally impossible to nail it down to five, but we tried our best. I mean, that's the thing about these kind of subjects. You know, you're very much... You know, you're very cognizant that you could do this a lot more, that you could do this one, you could return to this one again. But I wanted to kind of go with this one and just see how it came out and see how we got on. And I think it was a pretty good one. I hope it was. You can let me know. Feedback, you know. Uh, It's patreon.com slash noencore. If you want to support the show, lots of ways to get in touch. At HandReadyDave on Twitter and Instagram. Show at gmail.com if you want to drop us an email. And uh, yeah, gotta go now and get ready for the next episode i've got like i said before i got some good co-hosts kind of in the mix kind of trying to nail this all, this all down it's definitely not stressful <laughs> it's a lot of fun and uh yeah we'll have a lot of fun on next week's episode and uh yeah i'll say no more for now my name is dave Hanready. this has been no encore there will be no encore bye bye